A game of rugby takes 80 minutes. That's 4,800 seconds. But it only takes one to win a scrum, to steal a line out, make a break and score a try. One second for a hero to become a legend, for one team to become champions. And it's their line-out that creates the opportunities to score their tries, and that's exactly what happened. He goes wide, and he finds a winger. Oiderman, he's faster than a bald man's haircut. Oiderman, and he gets the try. What a heartbreaker. MLR Kickoff, episode 85, with your hosts, Dan Power and Pete Steinberg. Episode 85. Welcome, folks. Dan Power with you alongside the professor, Pete Steinberg, coming off a uh, big week four. Pete, any? Uh, what do we do? Should we do a travel tip first? Or you just want to just want well, to? I, I mean, I haven't, I haven't been traveling. You're now, you're now traveling. Do you have a travel tip? So I, I have an update. So oh. sitting at the airport on uh, early Monday morning flying back, I heard over the announcement of an airline saying, we will be resuming normal services starting this week. So oh. norming back to normal boarding protocols and then full services on planes. So you can buy food and, you know, a little bit more. So that, that was interesting. They said nothing about the mask going away. So you still be traveling, you're wearing a mask. And uh, I thought, you know, that's, kind of interesting well it actually makes like you know dan i know you don't get this very much but for those of us that get upgraded to first class or whose clients buy first class you know without getting like the the decent food really isn't like that much of a big deal being in first class so it's nice that when i'm in first class and you're in economy that we'll be able to like you know i'll be able to wave like the, you know the nice food at you while you get your snack box throw me the bread roll over your shoulder so grab it so i can snack on something yeah so that that's uh, not much for travel tip but just uh there you go travel update american airlines travel update for everyone that's right so, did you stuff. did you fly american airlines this past weekend hey would i fly anyone else league sponsor american airlines the eagle dallas is the pride and joy of texas uh they're partnered with Qantas, which is australian's airline so i've got a little bit of history a little bit of current and yeah no more questions from you peter <laughs> that's 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 almost like 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 we planned that and we hope that like some marketing manager of american airlines is listening into the podcast well tonight's banter as always brought to you by shop powered by the rugby shop another great supporter of the league uh them and paladin any any discounts they're running any specials a week uh, I, professor I, special? I, I have to admit dan i i man you're like you're on it and i am not on it let me let me look right now. You know, um, the, uh, uh, hold it. what's the address then? Shop, MLR.com. So yeah, they've got some uh, um, new new releases out. I, oh, they've got a good hoodie. MLR hoodie with all the yeah. things on the back. That's, yeah. that, that looks pretty good. So, yeah. and, April's yeah. unpredictable with the weather. So grab a hoodie. It is, it is. You know, it's, it's, it's interesting because they've got a performance tech tee and I look at that and I'm like, I'm like turned 50 this year and I am never going to look good again in a performance tee. I think I'll go with the hoodie. Oh, you just need to get down to the low tee center and just 
get on a little bit of the old special stuff and uh, you'll be back, mate. You'll be like in your 20s again. The, the performance tea will be like get a medium <laughs> bursting. Performance tea, tea is not for t shirt. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, yeah, yes, yes. Another tea, but that's, that's for a different show. Uh, let's, let's jump into the weekend's game, mate. We had a, a big weekend, obviously, five games on tap. Uh, we'll start things off down in New Orleans. They had a double header, but we'll talk about the home side first. Nola Gold. They go down at the death. A Roderick Waters try seals the deal for Austin. 18-15. Your thoughts on this one? Well, I mean, I, I this is like one of these games that Nola played so poorly, but you still kind of wonder how they didn't win. Right, like, 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 it looked like they were gonna, they were gonna put it off. There were, let me, let me get this right. There were forty-one turnovers. Nola had eighteen handling errors. Eighteen handling errors. Wow. It, like, yeah, it's like it was. They just could not hold on to the ball. Um, uh, I, I, I think what was good for Nola is I think this was like the come out game for JP Duplessis. I mean, I think both of us are big fans of him, but he hasn't played a lot of um, like, like he hasn't had the impact, but this game he had the most carries. Um, he was one of the best tacklers. Um, I thought seeing JP Duplessis really step up for Nola was important, but you know, um, I think they, you know, they really struggled. Kalmar struggled. I mean, I think they missed four or five times kicks to touch. I mean, the penalty count here, this is sort of where you're like, I don't understand, you know, that um, Nola had four uh, breakdown steals, right? Um, where's the penalty count come on i'm just looking through um nola had four penalties against them wow and the ags had 15 wow like like like, you're like how do you like win how do you not win that game and they don't win because they couldn't hold on to the ball whatever they did i mean this is not a nola's a good team we've seen this from them before dan that i think there's there's it might be a mentality issue like you know we we had this joke like can you with 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 Aaron, our producer, like, can you lose the buy? I felt like the buy may have come a week too early for Nola. Like, you play two games and you get a week off. It looked like an early season game for Nola with with their inability to um, to uh, um, execute. And just to say, fifteen penalties, six penalties on the flanker um, McLean Jones for um, for the AGs, six penalties on yeah. one player. It's, it's like 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 you look at this and it's just like there's just a line of penalties for, for the AGs. It's like you have to you have to you have to ask how they didn't get any any yellow cards. But um, yeah, it was, I, I think both. I don't think either team played that well. Um, I think that the uh, um, uh, I think that you know the AGs have they're just scrappy, right? And they're they're hard to beat. They've got a a good scrum. Um, you know, they've got some really experienced players. I think Cowley's a good scrum up. And I think one of the interesting things is playing um, Kurt Morath at 12 as a, as a, as a second um, playmaker. I'm going to talk about this a little bit later. Some of the selections that teams are making, I think, is, is really interesting. And so Matt Mason's yeah. obviously had a good start to the season at 10, but Kurt Morath at 12, I think, is, uh, is, is really interesting. And with Mason, Morath, and um, McGee at, at 15, They've actually got a bunch of playmakers that give them a lot of options. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, for Nola, this could be one of the games they look back on with that tight East Coast conference and be like, ooh, if they miss out on the finals at the end of the year, losing home games, never easy. All right, mate, let's jump across to Texas now. 
Houston taking on San Diego and uh, Houston back-to-back weeks, not scoring a single point. They put 34 on the board and they looked like a different side to the one that we've seen in the opening few weeks of MLR. I, I, I mean, this was this was actually a really great game. Hold on, I'm trying to I'm trying to pull it up. Uh, here we go. Um, I, I thought this was a, a really really good game. Um, I think uh, you know it might be the best game that San Diego played. Houston played really well. Sam Windsor moving to twelve. We talked about that before, but the big news here is Nick Boyer at nine, and what an impact he had. I mean, you know that that's a player that. It, it appears, and this is like one of these things where it's sort of like, I'm always a little conscious as a coach. And I, you know, if I was the coach of Houston, I obviously watch the game live. And then what I would do is I would watch it again, right? I'll take notes and then I'll go through and watch clips. So I'd really watch the game three or four times and I could really mm-hmm. tell you, like, I don't get paid to do that. So um, it looked like the ability for Nick Boyer to play some, um, to be a ball runner, to play with some pace and have some leadership he looked like a big game changer for them, Dan. And you know what it's like to have a nine that can really like I accelerate the pace of play. Um, and he's only been with the team for a few weeks. So I thought that was one of some of the big news in, uh, in Houston. Yeah. I, I, Nick Boyer made a huge difference and, you know, it's uh, it was good to see Houston. They, the emotional release, a lot of the players had after the game when Joe Peterson, who, I mean, when that kick lines up, He's like, oh, this is the guy who never misses it, and he misses it. It's funny because Joe is such a, a, you know, great human being. Like all the work that he does down in Africa with the animal preserves, um, just a, a phenomenal human being. I wonder if he just looked over at Houston and said, you know, they just need this more than me now. I missed it on purpose. <laughs> That's not actually true. It didn't happen, but I'm just kind of like, it was so uncharacteristic. And then you saw this huge outburst of emotion uh, from, and I think uh, Dicky Dicky Lati like fell to his knees and just started, you know, sobbing. Yeah, I mean, I think, so, I think this, was, this was a big win for Houston. Obviously a big disappointment for San Diego. There's a couple of things like San Diego um, had more turnovers, 10 turnovers to seven. They missed 29 tackles, right? That's a lot. They conceded 12 penalties to eight. Right. So there's, there's, there's a lot of things, but the thing that I, that stood out for me is San Diego. We saw a little bit more than of the San Diego that we'd seen in previous years where they play territory and they like try and pressure, but they only got over the game line. I mean, so they lost the game line 32%, like not getting to, onto, onto the game line. And 30, like, so an example is Houston were 19, Right. That means you can't get front football. That means you can't release all those great players that they have. So I think San Diego have a bit of a challenge with their forwards generating that go forward. Like they've got some Wuching, but you say outside of some Wuching, who's their real strong ball runners um, in the, in their, you know, in their forwards like Tamalau, but Tamalau is good off the base. He doesn't get involved very much around the field. Um, and obviously like losing Chris Robshaw, dislocated shoulder I think was a big loss for them and you could argue may have been like a turning point in such a close game yeah and uh Bjorn Besson too the winger is just a giant man I'm, I'm surprised that they don't use him a little bit more especially when he's set up on that short side on set pieces or just bring him in somewhere in the back line uh okay moving on Seattle on the road get their first win of the year we now have no more teams that don't have a win thank you Seattle 20 to 15 over Utah uh, what were your takes on this one? Late game on Saturday night. 
Yeah, so um, if you talked about Seattle in the first two years, right? Not only if you've, you would, you would talk about how these guys were big athletic forwards, physical defenders, right? And that hasn't been true, but there was a real change. Uh, and I think a very deliberate change and a selection change, Dan, that really blew it away. In fact, you know, when, when we saw this selection, which had um, Deb Ferris at nine, which is you know, fine, but then um, Kieran Joyce, who's a really a center playing 10, and then J.P. Smith on the wing, we were like, that has to be a mistake, but fair to Keir Lansing, we'll talk a little bit about this later, it, it worked. And there were some, I think, very, very good reasons why it worked. And, and one of the things that I think was important for, um, for uh, Seattle is you look at who had the most meters, right? And, and, and if you looked at that, you would say it's Duratalo, it was Hatting and Ross Neal. And when you say, man, none of those guys are below 6'3", they're all above 220 pounds. That's how Seattle have to play. They need to get big runners getting over the game line. I, you know, I thought Rico had, had, had one of the best games. I mean, this guy, if I if he was on my team, my offense would go around him because he is so skillful. He can pass, he can run. Like he is, he is just a really, really skillful player. And you saw him when, when he was highlighted. But what I'll say is that we talked a little bit about the uh, um like, like the selection change. So Dan, who's the last player that you want to be leading your tackle attempts? In a yeah, number, number 10. Number 10, the fly half. So Kieran Joyce, the fly half, had 17 tackle attempts. He yeah. missed one. He made 16 tackles. The next highest players we got adding who made nine tackles. I mean, it's like, that's what happens when you put the center. But what I liked about Joyce is he played really flat to the line and when you play flat to the line and you've got those big forwards outside you, that allows you to get over the game line. So I thought it was really, really interesting for um, Seattle. For, for Utah, I mean, they should have still won the game, right? They, like, like they just didn't have um, a great game. They struggled to get go forward. They only got over the game line 46% of the time, right? 58 for um, for the Seawolves. So that was a bit of a struggle for them. I think they struggled um, a little bit uh, in terms of, um, uh, you know, um, uh, being able to really launch their attack, and because they weren't able to quite get into their attack, I think I think that was um, a challenge. And they didn't take the opportunities. Um, uh, the last twenty minutes of the game, like they had a chance to win this game, and there was like penalty after penalty after penalty. I mean, it, it was. You know, it was just ridiculous that um, Seattle being penalized so much and Utah just were not able to execute. And I know Sean Pittman, that a couple of line-out option opportunities that they had that they just weren't able to execute, and he's going to be disappointed with that. Yeah, it's it's. What, what's your take on Utah? Uh, they start 2-0. They've now lost two in a row. Don't, don't. Um, don't don't go there. Like like we, I'm, I'm going to start twitching from my. You, like I, I believe in Utah, Dan. I believe in them. I think they're a good team. I think I think like like we've had years where it's like good Utah, bad Utah. This was not a bad performance by Utah. I think that's the difference. Like in previous years, they've been good and then they've actually been poor. They weren't poor here, 
they just weren't able to execute. They were a couple of like ball drops, a couple of handoffs in them in the mall. There were a couple of situations where they had um, some opportunities and they just weren't able to take them. What's your tweet then? And I know, I know I'm almost doing the professor's deep dive here when I shouldn't be, but I'm just curious as they were like a hot hand, right? Everyone was like, wow, like this, this warrior side looks great. What's your tweak if you're the head coach there? If you're Sean Pittman, what is it a tweak or are you just saying, hey, stick stick think, to our yeah, values, think, stick to our systems, and we we'll, we'll get a bounce to the ball here and we're going to be all yeah, right? Yeah, I think that's right. I mean, I mean, I think that I think you you come away from that saying it was a game we should have won. It's early on in the season. We're not executing. You know, you go into practice and you say we're going to really focus on some of these things that we didn't execute as well under pressure. You want to ratchet up the pressure at practice when you're trying to execute those things. Um, I don't think there's any tweaks that Sean Pittman needs to do. I think that they're in. Um, I think they're in a pretty a pretty good spot. What I would say is, and I, I wanted to just have. Um, uh, I'm just scrolling through the stats because there was something that I wanted to look at in there. You know, I I think that um, they probably the one thing I would say is I don't think they contest enough at the ruck. I think, mm-hmm. you know, which is which is a philosophy, right? So defensively, like philosophically, if you contest at the rock, you have less people on their feet that can defend. But, you know, you look at Lance Williams is really their, their player that goes in, but they don't turn the ball over very much. They had zero breakdown stills. And so there's a piece of me that says, you know, that turnover ball that you get at the ruck is a really great place to attack. And maybe that's an opportunity that they can develop as they go through. Yeah, something Atlanta did really well at times. Uh slow the breakdown as well and, and, and just to launch else, your attack and just something else with seattle that i thought was really interesting is that you know um they had 13 total kicks in play and um you know uh shorty had 13 kicks on his own like yeah Aaron joyce kicked five times right and so if you're going to do that um you know, it's you. You really have to back yourself. You've got to make sure you minimize penalties, which I think they probably did. You know, they didn't have too bad, only eleven penalties. Um, so I think that there's, you know, that's but that's something to watch, right? So if I'm a team playing against Seattle, and this is, and and I don't want to get too much into the deep dive, but I think that's why you paid like you play JP Smith at, on the wing because it puts another kicker back there. But we'll talk a little bit more about that when we. When we do yeah. yeah, speaking of JP, took a nasty knock. Uh, reports are that he he's okay, traveled back to the team, so he'll probably go into uh, HIA, you know, protocol here. So JP, thinking off your buddy, uh, big fans of JP Smith. So hopefully he's not out too long, and we see him back in the uh, in the Seattle jersey soon. All right, mate. Uh, Sunday's game, New York twenty-seven on the road of ATL seventeen. Run it down for me. Well, I thought disappointing, you know, I'm a, I'm a big fan of ATL. I love the way they defend. Um, they didn't defend very well here. They had 30 missed tackles. I think, you know, when you know they defend well when they have, um, when they have uh, lots of dominant tackles, but they only had three dominant tackles. So if you remember when we talked about um, their game against Toronto, they had 12 dominant tackles, so only three. It was San Diego, wasn't Sorry, it? San Diego, that's right. Yeah. Thank you. Um, only three. Um, and uh, in fact, New York had five. So the fact that they weren't able to get their dominant um, uh, defense going, I thought was was good. Um, mm-hmm. New York came out with a bit of a curveball, right? So a little bit more of a kicking game. 
So when you play that pressure defense, right, you li- you really leave your um, fullback on an island. And, um, you know, I think that, uh, you know, they had, um, you know, O'Keefe and Van Shortwick on, on the wings, but those guys come up, puts a lot of pressure on Van Voot to um, cover a lot of space. So I thought, I thought Atlanta weren't good. Um, I thought New York weren't. And I have to say, I think Ben Foden might be playing his best rugby that he's played in Major League Rugby. And, best, best game I've seen Ben play since he's come over. And he's yeah. had a couple of good games, but he was high energy, high involvement. He he went a long way to winning that game for them. Yeah, and, and I you know, I'm not sure if that's because with Andy Ellis in the team, he, he isn't the guy that has to kind of like carry the cultural burden, or if it's just that with Ellis and Dan um Holland's head, he actually has a nine and ten that are really like giving him space, but he seems really energized and really excited. And I thought he had a big game. Yeah. So when you've got someone like that that's playing really well, like you're gonna you 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 know you're gonna have an impact. All right, time for the professor's breakdown. LA 43, Toronto 16. This game also in New Orleans. Yeah, so um <laughs> like, like I'm like, I feel like we broke down all of these down. So interesting, the interesting thing about this for me, it was 10-9 at half time. Right. And um uh Toronto's um tight head prop, um Gaston Cortez got a yellow card right at the end of the first half, and while he was off. The Giltini scored 21 points, mm-hmm. right? And that was like the turning point of the game. So you say, all right, the arrows kind of gave us a little bit of a um, blueprint on how to play the Giltinis in that first half, okay? And and what they did was, you know, they, they, they had to scramble, right? They made cover tackles. They didn't give the Giltinis anything easy. They put pressure on them. Um, Lucas Rumble, which, you know, um, I actually did a bit for All Access and I, we recorded this clip, but it didn't make it into the into the show. Lucas Rumble was critical to this because his ability to slow the ball down is what allows you to be able to build your wall. So when you look at Rumble, I'm just going to pull up the stats here. Um, so, you know, he had 11 opposition ruck entries which is a lot right so um especially as uh um as, as a flanker so the highest um which really blew me away a little bit for the guillotinis was adam ashley cooper eight and then the next highest for them was three which is adam ash and um thomas de la vega was five but rumbles um and he also got two breakdowns so he continues to stretch his lead in in the breakdown lead for the league but his ability to be really work hard in that first half and slow the ball down really allowed um toronto early on i was like man toronto have so much space they're leaving out wide the ball's so quick what you have to do against the guillotinis down is you have to survive the first 15 minutes they come out so fast you can't play with them but as they play you can actually speed up to their play and that's what toronto did in that first 15 minutes they didn't give up much right? They held on, they were able to scramble. And then as the game got in, they, you could see their defensive wall was, was built. So I was really, really impressed by the Arrows' ability to compete. I said, you know, I'm thinking after the game, I was like, man, the Arrows won 62% of their lineouts. 
right? They had a couple of opportunities in that first half with lineouts where they just didn't function, where they could have really had a good attacking platform. They could have been leading at halftime. Yeah. So all of that stuff, I think, is 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 um, useful for the rest of the league to be able to look and say, aha, that's how that's how you play those guys. Yeah, it was uh, it was it was interesting to watch, wasn't it? But for me, LA had some adversity, tested for the first time, and they handled it and come back and, and won. Handily. Yeah, no, I mean, I think so. I think that's true too. I mean, I think one of the things I would say is that you know they lost Meeks and then they bring Luke Burton, right? Yeah. They, you know, sort of like not much of a downgrade, right? And again, another playmaker at twelve, which I think is becoming a little bit of a. Um, uh, trend yeah a little bit of a trend and you know I, I i'm gonna i'm gonna call out like john ryberg you know here's a here's the american guy on a team that's full of like non-americans he, i thought he had a really good game he struggled a little bit early on but you know he had um uh where is he so you know he scored a try um he had three ball carries he had 14 tackles he missed none he had a couple of dominant tackles so um, you know, I feel like like good good shout out to him, um, and you know, uh, I I think I think you're right. I think that LA was tested, but I think without that yellow card and with a better functional um, line out, I think Toronto can walk away. Now, this is the best Toronto side we've seen, right? They're like they've been moving people together, but this is sort of like a little bit more of 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 what you expect. Um, you know, I think Mike Shepard was on the bench. I, I think he might, he might would, you know, he might be in in that second row. But other than that, this is probably the best side they've put out. Um, Montero, I thought, had a good game. Like, had lots more carries than he had. You know, thirteen ball carries. They were really looking to use him in the game, um, and and you know, scored scored a great try. But you know, Toronto. If I'm them, I'm like, mm, we're we're not going to play the Giltinias again unless it's the final. And yeah. we can take a lot yeah. away from this and say, you know, we're going to be better, right? We're going to be better by the time we get there and we're not going to be scared of these guys when they get there. So that's what I would, I would take away from the game. Yeah, good game. It was a good weekend. Uh, plenty of great performances that uh, the professor has mentioned through there. But our player of the week came from New York and it was their 10 from fly half, Dan Hollinshead. And we had a chance to sit down with him earlier today. All right, joining us now is Major League Rugby's Player of the Week, Dan Hollinshead from Rugby United New York. Big Dan, what a performance on the weekend, mate. Uh, a great win down there in Atlanta. You yourself, outstanding. I think at one point I said you may have had a few spiders on the jersey. Uh, how did you pull up after the game and what were your thoughts on Rugby ATL? Um, yeah, after, like, it was pleasing to go down there and, and get the win. Like We've been on the road for, I think it was the third game on the trot. Um, but after the game, pulled up pretty good. We flew back sort of that night afterwards, and it was just nice to come back and sleep in my own bed. So not too bad. Um, but yeah, just pleasing result all around. Well, first year at uh, Rugby United. Um, tell us a little bit about your journey to New York. How did the uh, did the club approach you? You know, the whole process from where you were and how you signed and how you got yourself to New York. Yeah. So um, Rick. Alexo's the CEO here and he's a he's a fellow Kiwi. So I actually met up with him in a cafe in New Zealand, sort of midway through the Mighty Ten Cup. And he just sort of 
threw me the idea of coming up here and, and playing rugby professionally year round. Um, and to be honest, if you told me five years ago that I could live in New York and play professional rugby, you know, like I would laugh. So just to be given, you know, this opportunity to come here and, and play up in, in this league in a growing confidence, it was too hard to turn down. So I'm pleased I'm up here and yeah, really enjoying it. So let's let's talk a little bit about um, what it's like coming to New York. Uh, have you been had you been to New York before? Um, is it what did it meet your expectations? I mean, it's uh, COVID, right? So there's probably not much you can do. You could see the skyline, but there's probably not much else you've been able to do, I guess. Yeah, things are pretty limited up here with sort of what we can do. There's a few protocols around it all, but you know, I'd never actually been to the states before, so this was a this was a cool experience to come in here. And, you know, New York's still New York, still got the big bright lights, still still got the sort of hustle. Uh, I don't know what you'd say, but the hustle sort of mindset around it. Um, so now it's been awesome. Like the time I have been uh, in the city in Manhattan, it's it's been cool. Now you know you've um, you know been around high level rugby. You played in France, Japan, New Zealand. Can you talk a little bit about what your impression is of Major League Rugby? How do you think it stacks up? Where do you think the strengths are? Um, in the league? Um, it's fast. It is fast. And it's probably the, the thing for me, like we, we're up here training in New York where it's, you know, we get a hot day, we get a cold day, the, the weather sort of, you know, jumps up and down. But then we'll travel to somewhere like NOLA or even down to Atlanta and we're straight into what feels like a New Zealand summer. Um, so that's probably the biggest difference. It's just, that's just obviously the States are so big that we just get all this, this different sort of weather no matter where we go. Mate, you dodged a bullet playing in Atlanta in April because if you had to go down there in June or July, <laughs> conversation would be vastly different. It looked hot. Like we, I think we yeah. had the ref, Mike, who's a Mike Lash, a Kiwi guy as well, said at one stage in the first half, he's like, oh, geez, it is hot. And that turf adds yeah, we, a little bit to it. Yeah, the feet were definitely burning um, on that turf. But I think because Toronto are still based there, aren't they? So I think we might be having an away game against them in a few weeks so whether that whether that game's down there i'm not too sure but yeah i suppose it'll be a bit hotter that that's the first thing i noticed too when i came over and played on turf for the first time my feet would burn like you'd run and your feet would feel like they're on fire and you're like what is going on they make this stuff hold on dan i'm just looking austin on may 15th yep all right that could be that could be hot dc in may 30th dc i mean first of all new york's hot in june right so yeah. um, at Toronto, June 27th, looks like uh, that's the, like Austin. And if the uh, Toronto game is down Atlanta, that Toronto game is going to be on that turf is going to be hot. Oh, I look forward to it. Look forward to it. Be like playing sevens sort of thing back home. But exactly. yeah. I, I, th I think an American summer beats a New Zealand winter. So you're in good shape. Uh, you, your buddies at home <laughs> will be like a little bit jealous when they see how tanned you are in July when usually you've just come uh, through the middle of a, a tough New Zealand winter. Hey, mate, let's, let's talk a little bit about the side now, about the team. Uh, how has it been playing outside Andy Ellis? You know, young guy in New Zealand, you know, over, over 20 caps, I think it was 28 caps for the All Blacks. Pretty well-known name at Canterbury. Uh, how, how has it been when you first got there and Andy Ellis is passing you the ball? Um, he's been awesome, mate. Eh? Like he, he jumped on the phone a couple of times to me um, when I was still back in New Zealand, just ran me through sort of what we're going to try to achieve up here and sort of what we can partner up and and, um, and do together. So, no, he's, he's been wicked. Like 
apart from probably some of the best halfback passes of I've got in my career, he's um he's been awesome as a leader on and off the field. Like he drives our culture here. Um, so no, he's he's been wicked. He's obviously got all that experience uh, behind him. Now you mentioned sitting down and having a coffee with Rick. What, what were the expectations of uh, New York for you? Like what were the what were the messaging that Rick and then uh, obviously Greg McWilliams when you first got here and now Marty Veal? What what are the expectations? What were they looking for from you on the on the field? Um, Rick just sort of said to me like we're we're looking for someone who can come into the environment and and basically run the ship. Like he he said that Andy's obviously going to be there, but we we need someone who's going to you know come up here, get a lot of time in the ten jersey and and build some confidence and hopefully run um, New York the way they wanted it uh, to be to be run. So that was kind of the messaging I got. And yeah, I've got here and I've been given a few opportunities at the start of the season. So we're going all right. We're going all right. We can be better, but hopefully we'll get there. Um, let's let's talk a little bit about your game against Atlanta. Um, the week before Atlanta had, had a great defensive effort. What did you see in their play that you guys took advantage of? Because you had a great game with the ball in hand. Like you attacked the line, you had some line breaks, um, like had some nice passes. So you can talk a little bit about the prep going into that game. Um, we, we previewed that. We we knew they were going to come off the line hard. Um, so we, as backs, we just talked about just holding our feet, um, backing our skills, and if, if we can get it to the edge, we should hopefully get around them. So I think you know, like we we every team plays a shape, but soon as soon as you sort of make a line break or you, you break down the field, then um, the shape goes out the window. You just play what you see till, till you know you need to recover. So we, we did preview that they were a really good uh, defensive team. They kicked a lot of ball. So we, we almost tried to flip the script and, and put it on them and, and kick. Like if you were to preview us, you would have saw that we were sort of a team that it probably looked like chaos, but we like to think it was organised chaos in the first two weeks. Um, so we just, we just, Bought in a bit of a kicking game and, and it was coming off for us. So, yeah, we just keep going at it. You know, it's um, it's interesting coming into a season with no preseason games, right? So there's a lot of learning going on. Just like you said, it's sort of like, oh, we're going to be still adjusting and growing. Has the season gone the way you expected to in terms of your development? And what should we be looking from from you as a fly half and from the team over the next couple of weeks? Um. Sort of, you've kind of seen it in the results that have gone on the in the opening weeks. Like, I think the team that can adapt the most to who they're playing will be real competitive in this league. Um, and just personally, for me, I I just think you know it's a real confidence booster after the performance in the in the weekend. So hopefully, I can just build on that. And um, you know, we, we we there's still a lot that we can be better at. So yeah, we're definitely going to work here and, and trying to trying to be better. Without giving too much away, the thing that impressed me the most, like Pete mentioned how good you were at ball in hand, for me it was your kicking game because I don't think we've seen that evolution in Major League Rugby yet. The ability for a 10 like yourself to control the tempo of the game using your boot, uh, you were very willing to play territory many times where other times we've seen you know 10s keep ball in hand where you were happy just to kick behind the line. Was that something that you and Marty and, and the, the coaching staff looked at? Because whenever you're dealing with a defence that moves up quickly, the energy it takes to move up quickly only to turn around and then chase a ball down is quite exhausting in that heat. And uh, I, I thought, mate, I thought it was probably one of the best kicking performances I've seen in MLR. So you can uh, you can take that how you like it. 
Cheers. Um, yeah, we, we kind of spoke about kind of trying to um, conserve a bit of energy in the big boys. So if they're not having a run all the way back after Atlanta, you know, sort of kicked it down our throats, then, you know, it's a win for them. It's 30 or 40 odd metres they don't have to run. So if we could, we could just keep it in front of them, like here we're trying to play this expansive game of footy where we're exciting. Like we, we have a sort of theme about the way we, we do things where we want to change the skyline. We're all sort of iron workers and changing the skyline in New York. So we want to play a real fun game of footy, but there's, there's times where there's space in the backfield where you just got to put it in front of the big boys as well. Like 80 minutes is a long time for some of them to move around the pitch. Well, I, I'm going to just um, uh, jump on on Dan's comment and ask you one a, a, a little bit more technical, right? So sort of the coach in me. So you, um, so obviously the, the defense was very aggressive in coming up, but they also bring their wings up, right? So was that one of the things like they, they gave you that space, right? And they defend with sort of one and a half fullbacks instead of two fullbacks. And so was, was your trigger the movement of that wing? Um, yeah, we, like we, we sort of spoke that if you were to preview us from the first two weeks, like that's exactly the way you do it. Like we, right, we you would come up because you guys had kicks, right? So. Yeah, yeah, and we're, we're, we're not afraid to run it from everywhere as well. Like, we, we give everyone a license on the field. If you see the space and you want it, just, like, call for it because we, we do want to back each other's abilities and, and whatnot. But if there if there's going to be space there, like, we, we, we have got to play in the right areas of the field as well. So we're trying to find the balance now. I think I think we're probably slowly getting it. Um, it's obviously, a, like, pretty difficult when you come from all over, like, different places of the world and everyone's growing up playing a different style of rugby, like we've got the Irish, we've got the Kiwis, a couple of Aussies and whatnot. So everyone's growing up with a different style of rugby. So it's, it's how we can sort of come together and, and put out a performance that, you know, we're all on the same page and trying to achieve the same thing. Yeah, and you've got obviously the Brazilian too, Big Vilton, Hiboro. Uh, yeah, he's classic. Dude, yeah, he's a good get, man. Get, get close to him for the off-season. Take a little trip down to Brazil. That would be it. <laughs> I might have to join you for that one. But let's, let's talk a little bit about your teammates now. We'll do a little superlatives on your teammates. Give me the best nickname in the team, worst nickname in the team, and the story behind them, if you can. If, if you would tell your mother the story behind them, you can tell us. Um, well, I, I was sort of the best nickname. Everyone knows him, Butcher. Um, from what I've heard, but still enforce it. From what I've heard, it's self-proclaimed, but I haven't actually had him up about the story behind it yet. Um, so I'm pretty keen to hear hear that story. There's also with Big Wilton. He he calls himself uh, Wilson. And the other day he actually turned up with the volleyball from the movie. <laughs> and um, yeah, so now there's not too many bad ones, but I do want to get to the bottom of definitely why Butch is Butch. So yeah, the room the rumor is he gave it to himself. And uh, as you know, anytime you give yourself, when I was seven, I wanted everyone on the team to call me the horse. And uh, as I got a little older, I realized that could have actually been a great nickname. But uh, again, I wouldn't <laughs> tell my mother that story, so we won't go into it. All right, mate, let's talk social media, uh, Instagram. Who is the best Instagram? And don't include Ben Foden because that's not fair because Foden is on a different level. So outside of Foden's, Who's the best Instagram? Who's the influencer? And then who's the tryhard in the team who puts stuff up there but is just terrible? I think Big Quinn, our big winger, the, the Canadian boy, like he, he gets some pretty good footage and I'm pretty sure he asked 
Paul, the dude who gets all the footage to just follow him around training. Up. So he's always <laughs> he's always posting some some pretty cool edits and whatnot that uh, none of the other boys have. So I don't know how he does it, but yeah, pro- probably him. And uh, the biggest tryhard at it, uh, I don't know. Fussy Fuatai has been throwing up a few Instagrams lately, so probably him. He's trying to build his social media a bit. It's a grind, man. It's hard work for a tie. I have to, I have to get on there and give him a follow. Help boost his numbers. See if we can help him out. <laughs> Definitely. All right, uh, let's go. Let's go to speed here. Uh, Hundred meter race. Who are your top three? Who's your gold, silver, and bronze at Rugby United? I think if I put this question to the floor, Luke Hume would put his hand up first as number one. <laughs> The race um, is today, not 10 years ago, Hume. So <laughs> 10 years ago, he wins. I think Dan may have played with Luke. He's that old. Did you play with Luke, Dan? <laughs> yeah. no, Actually, I think ships, Luke, ships in the night. We, we, oh, we're both Dan's. Two Dan's. Sorry, Dan. Oh, oh name, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Dan Power, because I think Dan may have played with, uh, with no, Luke. Ships, maybe not we, we, missed, we missed ships in the night. Uh, once I once I retired, he felt it was safe to come over. But, you know, he didn't want, he didn't want none. Old, old Blue and yeah. Nyack. He still reckons he's got a pretty good sidestep on him, but his chat's he definitely does. better than his step. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but his, chat, his chat's a lot chat better, be better than his step. step. That's a great line, Dan. We're going to keep that one. Yeah. Yeah. We should use that one on, no. on next time we've got Rooney. Chat, his chat is better than his step. So it's, yeah, it always has been, even when he was young. He's got a phenomenal sledge game. All right, yeah. who's the fastest? Um, so, so Hume, yeah. go, we'll give him the bronze just to be nice. I'd have to, yeah, I'd have to put him in the top three. You, you couldn't look past Uppy. The Fijian winger. I mean, once yep, he gets yep. up to speed, he's pretty quick. Big Thunder Oh, probably a dark horse. I'd go Benji, the Argentinian flanker we've got. Benji, Benji Bonasso. Yeah. He's got some serious pace to him. I think Will Leonard's quite quick over 10, but Benji's, yeah, Benji's definitely he looks like a horse galloping when he makes a break. I, lo- I like the looks of him on the weekend. I felt like give him some more ball. Like he didn't get a lot of touches, mm. but it was just that kind of game. But he looks like a goer. I'm excited to watch him. All right, Pete, hit him with the car one. Pete loves the car question. Well, well, I mean, <laughs> thanks, Dan, for being enthusiastic about, about my things. All right, so so um, Rooney has to travel back down to Atlanta to play Toronto, right? What is that, Dan? Probably like a 10-hour drive, 12-hour drive? Yeah, it's a long one. Something like that. Um, who's who's the room, you know, who's the teammate that you're like, you're, you want him to be your navigator? And who's the guy that you're like, no way, put him in, a, in another car? Uh, I'd go Harry Bennett or Nate. Nate, the big lock, is my navigator. Like, they okay. seem pretty onto it and, and sort of perfectionist, you know. They, they all, always seem to be in the know. Right. Um, but the one I don't want to navigate me would be... Oh, probably Uppy. Like I, I don't, th- I don't know where we'd end up if Uppy was my navigator up here. So, <laughs> probably, I literally probably grew up on Fiji. Yeah, I think it'll be a fun trip, but yeah, who knows? We'll get there eventually, but we might have a few sort of detours along the way. You, we road trip to Boston, right? You'll probably take a, a bus up to Boston or a couple of vans to Boston. So you have to let us know how it goes, and you. Get a little bit of uh, the litmus test up there. Big, it's harsh on Uppy. He grows up on Fiji. Like literally walk one side to the other. He doesn't need a, you know, a GPS or anything. But uh, geez, just get him the guitar and let him sing. What? How good would that be? For yeah, guys? that's true. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it would be a fun trip. As I said, it'd be a real fun trip. But we'd probably have a few stop-offs and. Mm. Yeah. 
All right, legend. Appreciate you jumping on. Old glory this week. First home game. Uh, any messages for the uh, New York fans who can't come out to the game but will hopefully watch on TV? Yeah, a bit of a shame they can't come out, but they're, they're, we've got some pretty loyal fans behind us that I'm sure when they get the opportunity, they'll all be there. So uh, just keep supporting and, and the boys will try to put out a good performance for you. Oh, good man. Well, and congrats on your performance on the weekend, mate. Really impressed with how you played and looking forward to uh, watching you throughout the season for New York. Cheers, mate. Thank you. Outstanding performance, really. Uh, I mentioned there, like, the kicking game from him was one of the, tactically, probably one of the best I've seen in Major League Rugby, and it really put uh, Rugby ATL under a lot of pressure in areas of the game that didn't want to be under pressure. Yeah, I mean, I, I, it's, it's uh, I think when we look, you know, I was, I was thinking about this. I'm like, you know, when you look around the league and you think about the Eagles and you say, man, back row, Man, there are so many good Eagle eligible back rows, right? You can say, you know, back three. There's some really, really good Eagle young back threes. I thought Connor Mooneyham had, um, had a great, great, game. A great yep. game, right? You know, um, so, you know, you can say there's some good players, but when you look at like halfbacks and in particularly tens that can really control the game, you know, fortunately, AJ McGinty's like in the form of his life and might be the best fly half in the world right now playing for sale, right? Like yeah. he's, he's, he's great. But, you know, we don't have a lot of guys that can do the things that Dan can do, which is control the game, right? Yeah. So him and Andy Ellis, they controlled the game with territory, but they also varied the pace of the game. And that's like the hardest thing to coach is like when you want to speed up and when you want to slow down. I thought they did that really well. Yeah, I agree. And I, I would actually throw Ben Foden into that as well. He kicked really well yeah, and had true. to jump into nine when Andy that's was right. off the yellow to card. <laughs> and uh, same thing. It was almost as though like that experience of Foden and Ellis, that, that when to hit the switch. Like we saw yeah. that first try for Nawadi, nothing really going on. And they've called that set piece off the line out. It's Andy Ellis. Boom, shoots right. down that short side and away they go. So yeah, super impressed with them. All right, let's get into the professor's tactics. You talk about team selection. Let's go a little deeper into that. What are you talking about? What are you seeing with these team selections that catches your eye? Well, I want to so, so I, I want to go back to to the Seattle Seawolves, right? And this is this is something that I think when when you're a coach, what you think about is you think about how do we want to play, and then how is the opposition going to react, and what does that mean about our selection? So so there's a couple of things that I thought. Seattle do did really well, right? So what they said was, we're gonna we're gonna have a center, and we're gonna play him at ten, right? And he's not gonna kick very much, right? And so if he's not gonna kick very much, that means that we're gonna have to make sure that we can play territory somewhere else, and that we can protect that. And when you look at the back three, and this has actually been traditionally one of the weaker areas of the Seattle SeaWolves over their first four years of existence, is their back three is a great running back three but not a great kicking back three. Like Matt Turner, great defender in the open field, still has the Jets in his early 30s, right? But, you know, he is much more likely to run than he is to kick. And so I thought what was interesting was the, um, uh, was the, the decision to start Joyce at 10 and J.P. Smith at, at, at the wing, because Smith has a big foot. So what you do is you put a better kicker in your back three, knowing your back three might have to kick back a little bit more because you don't have a kicking 10. 
So I think that's that's one area that I think is is interesting. The other thing that I think is 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 interesting is in their back row, right? So back row for me is about balance, right? So what you need is you need you need good 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 defense. You need good at the defensive breakdown, good at the offensive break, breakdown, and good runners. And you need balance. And so the back three for Seattle is um, Andrew Duratalo at six. So he's physical defender, good runner. You have Nakai Penny at seven. He's the guy that does the hard work in the breakdown. And you have Ricard Hadding. And so when you go down and you look at those guys, and he starts putting up breakdown stats, right? What you'll see is that like Nakai Penny and Ricard Hadding uh, high up in their in their rucks. Those are the guys that win the ruck, but you don't see Duratalo there. And that isn't to say that Duratalo is not like doing work. It's saying that's not how you use him as a sex. And so this idea of having balance, I think is, is really critical. And I think it's something in the back row that, um, uh, that um, Seattle have. So again, we can't have him penny, highest tackle rate, right? Um, and that's what you want, right? You want your back row there. So I really like the back row. What I really liked about what they did this time is that they used them more with the ball in hand. But I think this idea of balance and how you make selections and how you have selections um, impact other things that you do, I think is is was really interesting. So I thought, you know, Kias Lent, um, Lensing did a really good job of kind of thinking through that process where it's not just who's the best wing or who's the best fly half. It's like, well, if we do this, then something else has, is, is going to have to change. And I think that's, that's important. And the other thing I would say, you know, Burton at 12, Morath at 12, and um, Windsor at 12, you're seeing a lot of sort of like the New Zealand style second 5-8, so a second playmaker at 12. And I think the reason you're doing that is because there's, it gives you multiple playmakers on the field. So you can actually, from rucks, you can have two playmakers either side of the ruck. It gives you an extra kicking option, but it also allows you to move the ball with more width. Right. So in other words, you have a second receiver that can also throw that 15, 20 meter spin pass, miss pass. It allows you to stretch defenses. So that seems to be a trend in the league. And I think that it's a good trend for the spectators because it means that we're not seeing these guys at 12 just run, you know, head on. You know, we're not seeing this straight up head on running. What we're seeing are players that are looking to play with a little bit more width. Yeah. Yeah, add Robbie Petzer into that as well. Oh, yeah, Robbie Petzer too, yeah. He played 13 on the weekend, which is uh, like he just keeps moving further and further out. But, yeah, that's good stuff, Pete, and it's something to keep an eye on. It's like good to see that the uh, the evolution is who gives us the best chance to win instead of like just because you're the best player in that position may not give us the best chance to win. So we'll have to keep an eye on. We might come revisit that in a couple of weeks as we, we kind of watch these rosters kind of morph and evolve here. All right, mate, let's jump into week five now. I'm going to quickly run through these games before we have our power matchup and our picks. Starting on Saturday, and this is not a typo, 10.30 Eastern, a.m., not p.m., so a.m., so get your coffee if you're uh, if you're Seattle fans because kickoff is 7.30 in the morning. So, <laughs> or, uh, Pete, I've never played at 7.30 in the morning. Even when I was six, we, you know, we kicked off at nine in the morning. So this is going to be crazy for some of these guys. Uh, this one will be on Root Sports, uh, TSN up in Canada, and the Rugby Network, everyone else. Saturday, 4 p.m. Eastern, New England at NOLA on uh, New England Sports Network, Cox Sports, and the Rugby Network. Saturday, 7 p.m. Eastern, Utah at San Diego. This is CBS Game of the Week. 
Uh, also on Saturday will be LA at Houston down there at Aviva. That's going to be on Valley Sports out in California, AT&T Sportsnet and TRN. Uh, Saturday, doubleheader at 8, ATL at Austin. So two games in Texas. This one's on KBVO and TRN. Also, Sunday, uh, this will be DC at New York. So the announcement today at Cochrane Field uh, for New York's home, I think they said for two weeks. So I'm not sure if that's just a trial run or what's going to happen. We'll, we'll see if we can dig some information up for that. Uh, it's on NBC, SW, NBC Sports Washington and uh, MSG, uh, Madison Sports. Yeah, Madison Sports, right? That's it, MSG. It's a New York one. Yes. And then, uh, the Madison Rugby Sports Network. Garden Beautiful Network. stuff. Yeah. There you go. Madison Sports. Everyone knows the garden. Come on now, Dan. Uh, all right. Power matchup of the week. Uh, Pete? Well, you know, I've talked a little bit about the kicking game. We talked about um, how well New York did against Atlanta. I think the power matchup for me is the playmakers of Austin. So that's Mason and Morath and McGee. They've got three guys that are all fly halves that can kick against Mm -hmm. Van Voot and the back three of Atlanta. So the challenge that Atlanta has is that their defense is predicated on getting those wings up. So they're giving that space. What has to happen is that the fullback, Van Voot, has to rotate aggressively and then the black blindside winger has to get across and has to help support it. It's really, really hard. We saw it in New York and, and, you know, we heard Dan talk about it. They were able to keep their depth and you could see they were just getting that pass away by the time that wing was coming up. So when you make that kick, you get make that wing hesitate. When you've got a kicker at 12 like Kurt Morath, then you really have to wait because as soon as that wing comes up, that ball's going over his head. It's going to be really difficult. So a fascinating tactical matchup between the kicking playmakers of Austin against the back three of Atlanta. Yeah, I'm going to actually go uh, Saturday night's game, LA and Houston. So down there, and I'm going to go the back row versus the back row. So uh, it will be an interesting matchup because LA – like you said, in that first half, Toronto kind of showed some stuff. And I'm interested to see if Houston can go away and, and watch that and then come out and sort of implement the same game plan, except finish it. Obviously, you want to avoid the yellow card, but then can you can you go and finish it? So they come in full of momentum, full of confidence, but uh, it, I, it'll be I a think tough game. the challenge is I don't think that Houston has a back row forward who is as good at the breakdown as Lucas Rumble. I don't think they've got, in fact, like their most active player in opposition rucks is um, their loose head prop. Yeah. So I, I, it's going to be, that's, that's tough. The back row of, of LA is really, really good. And so, you know, maybe there's an emphasis there. And again, you know, there's there's a lot of stuff that goes into these stats around tactics, and maybe you don't want your back row in that breakdown because you want them on their feet. You're trying to build your wall, but they're gonna have to work up much much harder at that breakdown to slow down that LA attack. That's why it's my power matchup of the week. If they're gonna have any yeah, chance, those right. three guys have to step up, have a big game. All right, so let's bring in Stat Boy now. No, no, let's not. Our- let's not bring in Stats Boy. <laughs> we, don't, we don't need to do anything about the stats. Can we? Like, is there a chance for us to better start again? Can we well, like start? Can, well, can we call the first four weeks preseason? We'll do the minor ten up. Like you guys go back, listen to my first. Well, like, 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 like the. I said the, the same uh, thing our, too. Our preview show. I said. 
first four weeks preseason. I said the same thing. I said the same thing. So, um, just before we get into the pick 'em update, um, Dan will be happy about that one. You won't. Neither will I. Um, so Austin continues to be the number one defense in the league. I am fairly certain that that defense is real where they're struggling right now. I think they're getting continuity obviously is with their halfback pairing. Um, so their attack is struggling a bit, but I think they'll get there, but that defense is pretty legit. Um, and then the other thing that I like us to track and let people know is uh, we now have the 16th and 17th uh, 2020 college products rookies to debut. Um, the 16th was Louis Satama out of AI. Well, actually, they were teammates out of AIC um, for the Austin Gill Gronies and Tommy Hunkin Clark also out of AIC for the Seattle Seawolves. Seattle, yeah. So that's cool. It sounds like uh, Feliki Tonga might get a shot this week with LA too, from what I'm hearing. So um, moving into to picks, uh, when it comes to the Super Brew, man, Dan is he 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 made the right pick. He picked Austin, the Gilgronies, the Chief Gilgroniac. That moved him up to number, wait for it, three. Race. So he is where'd, literally where'd going. Where'd Pete go? Where'd Pete go? Uh, he, he, went, he went down. How far? How many places? I think it was, uh, let's find, it, it was so far, I, I, I lost you it. You have to scroll it. Like it takes a couple <laughs> of scrolls to get down there. Uh, like, like it's so far. He's like, oh, yeah. not this one. Let me, let me so, scroll down so again. Pete, so Pete the other week ha- had a pretty good week. He went up like 15 spots. Well, last week, t- 10 spots. Boom, down. 32nd. And uh, don't don't ask me how I did because I'm yeah. I didn't get the wooden spoon. It's though. all right. I'm it's doing a, all right. It, I'd like to point out that you know I I I think I tweeted this. I was like you know picking major league rugby now is like picking stocks, right? You might as well just like throw throw a, a dart. Like Dan Dan has a real advantage because I think Dan mainly picks on like jersey color and name, right? And man, so man I think, crushes. I think, I think it's all on man crushes. Rugby knowledge. Aaron is actually like an advantage right now in Adelaide. Yeah, I think that since like, you know, four weeks preseason, so now we have a real sample of data. Yeah, so we should just um, like, can we market Aaron and just start like, like, yeah, we'll keep it going. But let's, let's like, it's a little bit like every team that's struggling in the league is like, no, but you look since Christmas, we've done really well. Yeah, you're still like lost, <laughs> well, but like. One of the, I think one of the things that I read in a column, probably one of the two columns on rugby I read now that I'm so busy, um, of the all the pickers, so all the media seem to be also on Superbrew. Like Matt McCarthy's there, we're on there, everyone's on Superbrew, so you can find out their picks. Um, Larry, scary Larry, in 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 the MLR kickoff pool, he is the leader. He is the global leader right now in MLR. Um, what? Yeah, 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 yeah. Go, scary Larry. Yeah. Um, we, we should get him on and just like only picked, some picks with us. He's only got 12 help. wins. Wow. Larry Weissel, what a legend. Lazar, come on, mate. Help so, us out. Maybe we'll have him on. Have uh, Reach out to Aaron, Larry, and, and get on the show next week. You can do the picks with us so we can see. No, no, you can do the picks for me. Yeah. Let's have him just do the picks for me. It's a little bit like, you know, you, you know, when you've got your kids and they can't really play play cards. So you play it. I need Larry to be like the parent over my shoulder that tells me yeah. which cards to lay. Well, give give Daddy that ace, sweetheart. That's I'll take that. You take Daddy's three. There you yeah. go. Yeah, yeah, that's how you play it in your household. All right, let's go. Okay. Pick them time. Right, here Seattle. we go. I am back in the saddle. Seattle at Toronto. 
It's in Atlanta. Yeah. Um, I think this is Toronto, which probably means Seattle's going to win. I think it's going to be close. I think Seattle, uh, uh, I think they showed what they can do, but they fly back from Utah. It's a very, very long trip. Um, you know, I think it'll be, uh, um, I think Toronto played really well. Um, you know, they, they got to be at home um, sort of in NOLA, right? So I think this is Toronto, but I think this is, um, you know, 26, 22. Yeah, you, you and I know Toomsy, their strength coach in Seattle, and he loves his coffee. Toomsy, this is going to have to be the strongest coffee you ever make to win a game at oh, 7.30 right. in the like morning. So. Um, right. I don't know what, if you just pull an all-nighter and just have No, no, play, I've got or... it. I'm, like, like, literally, what what you'll do is, is a because I've, I've, I've had this a couple of times with teams I've played in playoffs, and, yeah. you know, the few nights before you, you start getting up earlier and earlier, and then you just get your routine. So most routines start three hours before the game, right? So these guys, yeah, are, but these guys are going to be waking up. At, so so this week in Seattle, they'll be like waking up at four o'clock in the morning, four thirty in the morning, right, to get them like over that jet lag. Yeah, it's not jet lag. It's waking up to play at seven thirty in the morning. That's what it is. So, yeah, but the benefit Toronto, is that's actually a big is, thing for it's me. It's not going to be eighty-five degrees and humid. Yeah, I would still take the humidity and kick off at, you know, midday, uh, so true. three o'clock Eastern. But anyway, I'll go Toronto. I think that's a long trip and that's a terrible time to kick off, unfortunately, for Seattle. Uh, New England at NOLA. So New England without Joe Johnson, it was announced he is suspended. Tara Matembu out. Uh, he's in town and out of COVID uh, lockdown. So you lose Johnson, you pick up Matembu. I'll go first. Okay. Ooh. No. <laughs> Thank you. I haven't decided yet. So you go first. Yeah, me neither. And I'm like, it's it's in NOLA. Um, if Hanno Dirksen's there and he can play, I I, I think NOLA can bounce back because Joe Johnson is just such a big part of what New England do well. Um, but if Hanno's not playing, I wonder who they're going to put at 10. Hmm. I don't know. I might, go for, I might go for a road team here. I might go for New England on the road to upset Nola again. Well, I can't. Um, um, what's the score? Uh, New England will score more points than Nola. 30, 32-28. I don't know how we get there, but sure. So, yeah. So, I just don't think Nola could play that badly again. They're a good team. They even showed it. They even should have won that game, even with all of those 18 handing errors. They still mm. had opportunities to win. I, I think that um, an early season loss like that is probably good for them. If you remember, like, a couple of years ago, they won, like, their first 11 games in a row. Right? Yeah, think, they were unreal. I, yeah. And, the finals. Yeah. And, and so I think that maybe this is the wake-up call they need. Um, it's going to be hot and humid down there. New England haven't been... In, have been into it. I think it's going to be a close game. I think this will be uh, 24-21 to Nola, but you're right. I think this is like one of those games where you're like, I kind of want to want to see the selections before. 100%. Uh, yeah, I need, I need Rosses on this one. Just I just want to, yeah. Like if Damien Stevens starts at nine, then I'm, you know, I probably start right. I mean, I mean, back towards <laughs> Nola. I'm kind of with you on that one. I'm with you, you on that play one. so so quickly. Yeah. All right, Utah at San Diego. Uh, stats boy, Strobro, do we know, is San Diego playing at Torero or somewhere different? I, the rumor, they're going to Carson. 
Carson, like Car- LA like Carson. Yeah. Dignity, but, well, Dignity 2, so the, the USL field. Gotcha, gotcha. So I, I don't know. I haven't, I haven't seen it. Which I think, like, I think is the field where the US women played France as a, a, um, before USA played Tonga in 2013 or something like that. Oh, it's like, bonjour. Yeah. Uh, well, the, the San Diego slash Las Vegas now slash Carson Legion and uh, in, in Utah out there. What do you think on this one, mate? Man, this is a this is a great matchup. I mean, San Diego played better, um, but I I don't think San Diego have like Dylan Audsley's doing an amazing job playing a different position every week. But again, playmaking twelve, right? But I really think they miss you know. So if you think about last year, their their inside center was Duplessis, their outside center was Marnonu. Like they don't have they they you know Luke Burton left. They don't have the firepower in the backs that they that they've had in the past um Cecil Africa played a little bit better last weekend that was great kick like, like you said Basson's a great player but they haven't kind of used him so um you know but San Diego definitely took a step forward um you know Utah played some good stuff it's a road game for Utah that might be the difference for me I think this is actually going to be a low scoring affair I think that this is yeah. San Diego but it's like 18 15. Yeah, in Utah, being pretty low scoring their games. I mean, the game against New yeah. England against Seattle, so score was low in both those games. I think they scored twenty one against New England and fifteen against uh, Seattle. So uh, I'm leaning towards San Diego here. I just think good because too- I need to make up some stuff by yeah, picking just, against you. I feel like they're too good, I, and I, I, losing Chris Robshaw is going to hurt them in terms of leadership, but. Um, I think, I think players will you know, step you know, up in it, his absence. What I would say is that San Diego scrum has been a bit wobbly and Utah have a pretty good scrum. They also have pretty good scrum point. depth. Paul, Paul Mullen, San Diego to Utah. You know, now, now, like, now I'm saying that kind of like, you know, we believe in a couple of things, right? So one is best tight head normally makes a difference. Pick, pick your scrum, yeah. Yeah, so I think actually I'm, I'm going to switch my pick. Thanks for talking me out of that, Dan. So I'll take Utah 18-15. You take San Diego and then there's a chance I could catch you up. We'll see what we'll see what I put into Superbrew. Oh, that's right. Hey, uh. <clears throat> Whoa, there we go. Moving right along. LA at Houston. This is uh I've got to pick this one. This um I, I would I think the league would love to see Houston win this game. I think George Killebrew said in his perfect world, everyone goes eight and eight, and we're all happy. Um that's probably probably uh not gonna happen. But I think LA will lose a game this year in the regular season. Don't think it's going to be this one. Um, just where LA, LA is strong, Houston's still kind of finding their feet. However, you just never know. Saturday night down there in Houston and uh, another road trip for LA, right? Back-to-back weeks on the road. And, and we've seen teams kind of get caught up in that grind on that second road trip. So uh, I'll, I'll go LA. I think this game will be a lot tighter than what people think it was. You, you watch him go put 70 points on now. but Yeah, I actually don't I'll, think this game is going to be that tight. Nah, I, don't, I, don't I, I, I don't think so, because I just don't think the bat row that Utah, that Houston have, I think they would have to really dominate the set piece. Um, don't think like... You it's know, a good they, scrum. They've got a they great scrum. A scrum. Deep front row, so... Yeah, I mean, I mean that's, that's what they would have to do. I don't think it's a blowout. I don't think it's 70 points, but I think it's L.A., um, I think this is, but I think it's LA something like 35, 15, 
where Houston's LA are always 40 plus points, no matter yeah, what. Yeah, so, so so what I would say is to me, it after 20 minutes, if LA haven't scored three tries, then Houston have a shot. You just have to survive that first 20 minutes. And by the way, they come out at halftime like super fast too. So those like coming out of the sheds, starting finding a way to be able to control them. That's what you have to do because you find yourself down, you know, 21, nothing after 20 minutes. And now you're really trying to fight your way back and it's hard to do it against that team. Yep. Yep. We're on the same page there. Uh, ATL at Austin. This one is a bold stadium on uh, Saturday night. Who you got? So, you know, this is one of these, like, I, I like ATL. Um, you know, I think that they're still suffering a little bit from Kurt. Coleman not being there. Um, Ezekura played okay, but not as great as he did in the first game. I think that there's... Austin's one of these teams that I'm like, man, they don't play very well, but they're winning their games. So I don't know if that means that they're going to play better or if they're just like the scrappy kind of Seawolves season, like season one and two. So I think, I think I'm going to, you know, I, I think ATL still... I think, I think Austin are going to have some challenges. I know we talked about the kicking game. They're going to have to be smart about how they do that. Um, they might be able to expose ATL there. But I think ATL has this game. But I think it's going to be, you know, this is going to be like whoever scores three tries wins, right? This is going to be 18-17 ATL. Nope. Austin. Easy. Yeah, I mean, I mean, of course, that's why. Like, I'm just picking against you so I can catch up. Either I'm going to get like trashed, or I'm going to catch up. I knew you were going to select Austin. You can't. Like, I think it might be in your contract. Yep, give the ball to build the drill. He'll go in to score. Did you guys see now the, the are winning? Did you see that uh, the supporters group are going to have a moonshine line named after Mooneyham? Mooneyshine. <laughs> Mooneyshine. That's good. That was good. That is good. That's good stuff. Yeah, I'll go. I'll go. Austin. Uh, they're going three in a row, baby. Three in a row, uh, sitting pretty out there, and they're going to keep going along. All right, DC at. So that that is the question. That's he, the question, he's, right? He's been um, at training. Question, and if so, who answers? To die, to sleep, no more. Sorry, little Shakespeare there for everyone. Um, if Robinson plays, we've got a game on. Because old Gloria yeah, Robinson I, looked yeah. fantastic. Well, it's your pick, right? I'm just going to pick yeah. against you. Um, yeah, it is my pick. I'll go. I'm going to go New York to christen the the temporary home ground with a win. Just really impressed with New York. Yeah, I like New York in this game too. It's hard. It's hard for me to choose DC. I think that um, DC have done some good things, but I even if Jason's back, he's not back 100, percent right? And you know, you're going to run at that hand. A thumb, a thumb with a thumb, 10, yeah. Thumb at 10, that's hard. Um, and, and and you want, you know, it is a long season. So I think I'm with you. I think I think New York, um, I think, you know, you know, we heard from Dan. I think that they've got, you know, really good 9, 10, 15. Um, they've got some great forwards. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you on New York. What do you think the score is? Ah, uh, they've got some good attack. They kind of stalled in the game against ATL. ATL did a good job. And I think the the conditions, like it was hot down there and yeah. then you're playing on the turf. It just adds a couple more temp, you know, degrees to the old thermometer. So um, I think it'd be you know, 30, 35, 25. I don't think it's going to be that much. 
I think I think New York wins 22-17. Yeah, could be a tight one. Could be a tight one. Could be a good one. Big weekend. What are your plans for the weekend? Um, actually, we're going to go for the last ski weekend. We're going to go up to Copper, so I'm going to have to be um, watching all of this on my iPad while pretending to look after my kids. Um, but yeah, yeah, last last little spring. See, it's, it snowed today here. I don't know if it snowed where where you are. I went up to Eldora, and there was like three or four inches of fresh powder right on the ice. So that was always yeah. always good. Yeah. But yeah, it's like going to be our last ski weekend. Um, what about you? What are your plans? Parenting tip for you when you take your kids skiing, just get some duct tape, put them in the ski lift and just tape them to it and just send them around all day and uh, they won't be able to yeah. go anywhere. Yeah, Dan. And, and how scenery. often have you taken your kids skiing? Once. I took my son once and I didn't actually ski. I just sat there and watched him and uh, he did the pizza French fries all day. It was great. Um, I don't like cold stuff, man. I'm a warm, warm body. Uh, I will be doing Utah San Diego for the CBS. So uh, it should be a good game out there we'll see how that looks on uh, on tv so should be a good one yeah that's i think i think that might be one of the best games of the weekend you and you and brian will have fun calling that one a lot a lot on the line for both sides two losses yeah, yeah. in a row for both of them so uh they desperately need to get moving on that west coast conference all right that wraps it up pete uh great show MLR's looking strong and, and uh looking forward to some more games this weekend a little bit of uh parody and continuing to kick Kick butt and take names in Superbrew. Scary Larry. Scary Larry. We'll get Scary Larry on. And don't forget to subscribe to us wherever you get your podcast. Leave us a, a, a five-star rating and a review so more people can find us. Perfect. Thanks, Pete. Pete Steinberg, Aaron Castro. I'm Dan Power. This has been the MLR Kickoff. Episode 85 of MLR Kickoff brought to you by shopmlr.com. Powered by the Rugby Shop.